We pray that as you listen to this message, you will not only be challenged, but changed. Our desire here at Heartsease Family Life Church is to see people grow and develop in their walk with God, for all to enter into His best for their lives. For more information in regards to the church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We pray that you will be blessed. talk again today on the series, It's All About... Good, I wanted to say that because it's not about me. It's about every one of us. And we've been dealing now, and I want to continue today along the journey of discovering the issues that we face throughout our lives. How many would admit today you've got issues? Okay, if, keep your hand up if you've got issues. If someone beside you hasn't got their hand up and look and say, man, I feel sorry for you because you've got major issues. One of them is denial today and we're praying that God would touch you. But you know, we've been talking about the issues we face because if we don't deal with the issues, they're going to cause issues. And a lot of us today are leaving the issues that we're facing in our lives. They're leaving us wounded. They're leaving us hindered. They're leaving us settling for so much less than God's absolute best for our lives. So what we've been discussing this month is we've talked about insecurities, about being insecure, those things and the way insecurities attack us. We talked about having the wrong identity and where we need our identity and where we find our security, which is in Christ. Last week, we talked about worry, didn't we? How many have caught yourself this week, said, hold on a second, I'm going to stop worrying. Come on, I'm going to start trusting God. Come on, we need to catch ourselves. Wednesday night, we talked about the story of our life. How many have said that? That's just the story of my life. I move lines in, in, in Walmart and all of a sudden the light comes on because they need to check a price and you're stuck there and the line that you thought was so long where you were is gone and everyone's waving at you and you're still stuck there. Come on, that's just the story of my life. We talked about that perhaps if we change the theme of our lives, the story of our life would change. Because the theme of our lives is the subject. It's that which we are. So if we change the subjects, the content of our life, then the outcome of our life will change. Today I want to talk about rejection. I want to talk about rejection. It's all about me and my Rejection. Rejection, perhaps, arguably, could be one of the greatest issues that you and I will face. No one likes to be rejected. It's an awful thing, in fact, to be rejected. But you know what? To live in rejection is even worse. And unfortunately, many children of God live in rejection. I want to start with a story today. This story comes from a book called I'm Not Who I Thought I Was by Christine Kane. Some of you have heard of Christine Kane. She is a fantastic speaker from Hillsongs, Australia, over there. But Christine Kane grew up in the northern suburb or a northern suburb of Sydney, Australia, in what was regarded as a very rough area. At the age of 20, 
20 years of age, she discovered that she was adopted. And this is what she writes. I found myself laying awake at night, wondering what my story was. Eventually, I contacted the adoption center and filled out all the forms to start the search for my biological parents. Soon after, I received in the mail my birth certificate and my hospital reports. I was a little nervous as I opened the envelope while I was home alone. As I pulled out my original birth certificate, this was something of an interesting experience, seeing that I had been married and obtained a passport and other official documents with, which I, with what I thought was my original birth certificate. My, my biological mother's name was recorded on the form. However, in the box next to the father's name was these words, unknown. Even more devastating to me was what appeared in the box next to my name, where Christine Kane should have been. It said, child unnamed. My heart sank. I stood in my kitchen sobbing as I held this piece of paper, feeling so alone, rejected and abandoned. My mind was filled with so many thoughts. I wondered if and why this woman had carried me in her womb for nine months. Why didn't she want me? Why did she not name me? Was I conceived out of love or at a party one night? Or was I conceived as the result of rape? Now I sat crouched over. But God began to remind me of his word. The God reminded me that he had called me from the womb, from the body of my mother. He had named my name. At that point, I grabbed hold of my Bible. With my Bible in one hand and my birth certificate in the other, I had a choice to make. What was I going to accept? Was I going to accept the facts which appeared on my birth certificate or the truth of God's word. Which would I believe? The truth about God and what he says about me and the acceptance of him? Or would I believe the rejection of men? Both were just ink on paper. And it would take just as much faith to believe the one as the other. This decision would affect the course of my destiny. That day I chose to throw my birth certificate to the floor. And I began to confess God's word till I believed it. The battle for my destiny was very real at that point. The enemy would have loved to have stolen and killed and destroyed my future. My response in that very decisive moment could have been so easily either to give Satan the victory or allow Jesus to live throughout my life, giving me his joy, his victory, and his strength. That day I chose to follow God's word. In the midst of the challenge, I chose to give him and make him the priority of my life. Christine Kane now travels the world as a minister, ministering to so many people 
and telling them of true identity and salvation that they can have in Christ. But what a powerful story at the age of 20, discovering the fact that everything of her 20 years up to that time, she felt was just a lie. It wasn't really who she was. But that day when she received the paperwork, telling her what she was, it left her disillusioned. It could have left her broken and it could have left her destroyed. That story is perhaps similar to many of the stories that you and I could recall here today. Perhaps not the fact of being adopted, but the fact of the rejection that we've witnessed, that we've been a part of in our lives. Because at some time or other in our lives, we will all face the battle, because that's what it is, the battle of rejection. Some people are defeated by it. They never rise above it. They believe the lie and their lives lay crushed and broken for the rest of their existence, because that's all it is. It's just an existence. Some people struggle but eventually push through. They get to a place where they suddenly say, enough is enough. I'm going to push through. Those words are not going to be a stranglehold around my neck any longer. I've carried that burden for years and years. Today is my breakthrough. Some people eventually push through and perhaps just make it. But then there are other people like Christine Kane who throw those things down, pick up God's word. And say, I'm going to rise above every word, every accusation, and every lie of rejection that Satan wants to throw at me. But rejection is real. It's a real battle. And it's not just something that happens in our minds. So often rejection is a vocal attack against us too. I talked with someone this week and they were recalling their life to me. And they were talking about how, as a child, they were overweight, but everyone thought it was cute. As they were in their crib, and they had little rolls on their legs, and everyone thought that was cute. Oh, look how cute. But they said it wasn't long before that cuteness changed to be the brunt of many jokes and many awful words. As I talked to this lady, she said to me these words. Philip, I went through my life and I may have been fat. And I may have been overweight. But she said I wasn't deaf. What does she mean by that statement? She meant exactly this. That people can be so unkind when they see someone who doesn't look quite like them, someone who perhaps has struggles and issues in their lives, but instead of being respectful and kind, they vocally say things like that person does not even hear them. She said, I may have been fat, but I wasn't deaf. She said, I heard the jokes, I heard the comments, and the worst thing was it was people who did not even know me. Didn't even give me a chance, but they just wrote me off because I didn't look like perhaps they thought I should. She said all it would do 
was. It, it made me want to not go out in public and, and made me not want to be around people. If I had to go somewhere, I just went straight in and straight out. I couldn't enjoy my life because of fear of the rejection that would come. And she said, all it did was make me go home and eat more and make it worse for myself. And she said these words, it was like a cycle. She said, I dealt with rejection all of my life. Listen to this letter that I read. I was a disappointment to my father. He wanted a son. He never hugged me. He never praised me. He never told me that he loved me. I realized that he was a product of his generation and therefore I have forgiven him. But today my self-esteem is still very low as a result. I still often find myself depressed and I still find myself completely riddled with guilt. I am 85 years old. Here's someone who's carried a burden. A burden not theirs to bear. For 85 years. Allowing it to still shape and fashion and form the existence of their life. In 85 years, never seeing it leave, but perhaps seeing its effects grow and grow. Today, rejection is a serious issue. It's a serious issue. Even as I speak now, it's amazing. Even as I speak now, some of you are replaying thoughts and words and things that people have said to you in the past. The rejections that you've felt. As I've been sharing stories like Christine Keynes and this person and the other lady. The stories that we've been sharing. You've been playing your own stories today. That even here in the house of God, as God's word has been taught, the battle of rejection is infiltrating, trying to attack your mind, trying to say, I've got you. You can never be free. Listen to this statement. You don't realize how good of a memory you have until you try with all your heart to forget something. You don't realize... How good of a memory you have until you try with all your heart to forget something. You see, the deal is this. We cannot overcome and we cannot fight rejection in the flesh. You can't pull out a gun, Miss Emma, and shoot rejection. You can't grab a hold of a knife and stab it and say, now it's dead, it's gone. Rejection is a spiritual attack. It's not physical. It's a spiritual attack and it has to be broken through God's spirit and it has to be broken through God's word. Your answer to rejection is not just to lose weight because those thoughts will still go through your mind. 
It's not just to change or to do this or try to be accepted because those thoughts will replay themselves over and over again in your mind. The only way that you can have the victory over rejection is to know what God's Word says. To know that your identity is in Him. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12. The Bible tells us our fight, the struggle, the enemy, what we're up against. It says we don't wrestle, we don't fight against flesh and blood. That's not our battle, that's not our fight. That's what we see, but that's not what's behind what we see. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So how do we fight these spiritual attacks? Because that's what they are. Well, let's look at the verse before that one. Let's look at verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 6. It says, put on the whole armor. Put on the protection of God. You know what? I can choose to believe the lies. I can choose to believe the speculation. I can choose to believe the accusations. I can choose to believe all these things if I want. But the Bible says that's not where my fight is. What I need to choose and what I need to do is I need to put on God. I need to believe God's word. I need to believe what God says about me. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against insecurities, worries, rejections, lack of identity, that we can stand against every wile, every scheme, every onslaught and every attack of the devil. You see, this devil that we read about here in Ephesians is the same one we read about in 1 Peter 5 verse 8 and it tells us, be sober and be vigilant. Watch out, the Bible's saying. Watch out. Why? Because your adversary, I'm tired of people thinking that the devil's cute and that he's leaving them alone because they're a Christian and he's good and he's okay. Listen, let me tell you something. Satan is your adversary. He's against you. He wants to destroy you. That's his mission in life is to kill, steal and destroy. And he'll use any means, any method, any way to take you out. And rejection is one of the greatest tools that he will use. Because you know what? He can sow the seed of rejection, Roxanne, and then leave you alone because rejection will take care of itself. Because when he sows a seed, seeds grow. They grow and they develop and they produce harvests. And then you know what happens? You don't just put one seed in the ground and get one harvest back. When that one seed grows, you maybe get seven, eight, ten, twelve that grow back. And the multiplication Begins to happen. But the Bible says he's an adversary, the devil. And he walks around like a roaring lion. He's ready to pounce on every one of us. And he's ready to rip us limb for limb. He's ready to seek. He's seeking whom he may devour. But what does the Bible say in verse 11 of 1 Peter 5? Resist him steadfast in the faith. Come on, in faith, in God's Word, in what God's Word says I am, in relationship, through relationship with Christ. Come on, say it with me, in God. In God, I can resist Him. In Him is my key for success. 
Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Let's look at the following verse, verse 13. As we recognize we wrestle not against flesh and blood. What does it say? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to withstand. Come on, say with me, I'm going to hold my ground. Come on, Satan's knocked me back long enough. God says that in him I can withstand every lie of the enemy. I can be an overcomer. Come on, that means the rejection does not overcome me anymore. In God I can overcome that. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and I'm not the borrower. I should have maybe being a girl, but I'm a boy and God don't make no mistakes. I maybe was a little bit chubby, but that's okay because God thinks I'm special. I maybe don't have all the money. I may not be the smartest one in the bunch, but you know what? God's got a plan and a purpose for my life. Come on, shout amen in this house if you believe that. Rejection, no more. Acceptance is what I want. God's acceptance we already have. Take up the whole armor of God that you may be with able to withstand. That word in the Greek tells us this. It tells us that with the authority and spiritual weapons that God has granted to us, that God has made available to each one of you, We can withstand any and all evil forces that are sent across our pathway to try and take us down. We can overcome, come on right now, we can overcome the power of rejection. The battle is not against mere fantasies and made up attacks. These are very real. But God is more than able. God is more than able. Like a good leader, Paul issues a warning at the end of this letter. This is at the end of the letter he's writing to the church or the Ephesians. And Paul issues a warning at the end about the tough times that we're perhaps going to face. The fact that we're up against Satan himself. That's what it says in verse 12. Because we wrestle not against, but it's principality, it's the rulers. The fight, the struggle is against Satan himself. An enemy who will do everything and anything. And as I said earlier, he doesn't play by the rules. He'll do everything he can. Come on, nothing is off limits to Satan. He'll use it all. He'll throw it all up. He'll even make up stuff when there's nothing to use. But for what reason? Satan's desire is to stop your progress. Instead of moping about the situation like so often we do, about the attacks that we face and will have to face, Paul lays out a specific plan for you and I like he gives the Ephesians. And that is this, we're not to approach this fight in our own strength, but to remember that only God can defeat the enemy. And as a mighty warrior, not a warrior like we talked about last week, worrying, but as a victorious warrior. A warrior, a mighty man. God fills the role his people desperately need. And he serves as your protector today. Your defender. Your deliverer. Your provider and your guide. So therefore Paul says, God gives me everything. God gives his army every supply that you could need to win. And to overcome 
rejection, insecurity, worry, fear. Rejection is no match for God. But it will destroy you. Rejection is no match for God. But if you fight it in your own strength, you're going to lose. And it will destroy you. Let me remind you again of Proverbs 4.23 if I can. It says these words, keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it, out of what? Out of my heart, springs the issues or sets the boundaries of life. I haven't got this scripture up, but Proverbs 16 verse 9 says this, a man's heart plans his way. What that means is this, your heart will be the compass. It will set the course for your life. So the Bible says we've got to keep our heart. We cannot allow the issues of rejection, insecurity, and all these things like they so often have to begin to infiltrate and rule our hearts because then the course of our life will be affected by the state of our hearts. The Bible tells us that's where the battle is. It's in our hearts. It's at that source. It's there that security, lack of identity, worry, fear and rejection and all these things are targeted. But let's read on. It says, put away from you, Ephesians 4 verse 24, put away from you a deceitful mouth and perverse lips. Let them be far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Don't look to the right Ponder the path of your feet. Let your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. But remove your feet from evil. In other words, God is telling us here, don't deviate off the course. Come on, don't go to the right. Don't go to the left. Come on, God's saying, watch your mouth, watch your eyes, and watch your feet. God's telling you, you've got to remain in Him. Every day you look, every day you walk, every day you live. But the Bible's telling us, don't live over there and don't live over there. Live in Him. Don't look over there. Don't look to there. Look to Him. Because we know what happened when Lot looked. He ended up in Sodom. And the Bible says he lost. It just started with a look. But then he lived, and he ruled, and he lingered, and he lost. I'm telling you, where are you looking? I look towards the hills from whence cometh. I don't look to rejection, I look to God. Where do I walk? What the pathway? God says, and this is a whole different message, but God gave this promise to the children of Israel. He says, every place that your foot treads, I'm going to give to you as an inheritance. I wonder how many of us are reaping the inheritance of the pathway of our feet. Instead of walking in God's promises and His blessings and we wonder why we're facing the struggles and the circumstances and things aren't going well. Have you checked your feet lately? Have you checked your feet lately? Turn with me to Mark chapter 12 and I haven't got time today to go through this passage like I would really like to. But I'm going to jump into two key verses today in Mark 12, beginning in verse 10 and then verse 11. It says these words. Have you not even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected. Say that with me, rejected. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 11, and this was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous 
in our eyes. I like the New Living Translation. It says, this is the Lord's doing and it's marvelous to see. A builder and any builder will tell you, talk to Robin after church and other builders in here. A builder will tell you that when you are trying to construct something or you're trying to build something, the cornerstone or the corner post is the most important stone and post that you will set. Because what you want is you want to make sure you get the straightest, the nicest, the smoothest, the best, because it's going to set the course for every other piece of wood or stone that's going to follow that. So when a builder begins and he's looking for that cornerstone, that foundational piece, he doesn't just grab something off the pile. He intricately searches through everything that he has available because he's looking for the straightest. He's looking for the one with the least imperfections. He's looking for the one with the perfect right angles To make it work. He's looking for that one that's the right shape. He's looking for the one that's the right size. He's looking for that which is smooth. Which is usable by him. And anything else is pushed aside. And it's thrown out. Because it's not good enough. The cornerstone has to be right. So everything else can be lined up right. But notice what the Bible tells us. The stone that the builders rejected. The religious leaders of that day looked at Jesus and said, you're not good enough. They looked at Jesus and said, you're not the one. In the same way people have looked at us and said, you're not good enough. How can you ever make anything of your life? The rejection, the rejection, the rejection. Jesus said it himself. If they reject me, don't you think they're going to reject you? But notice, that which man rejected, God says, chief cornerstone. Come on, you should be shouting today. Today you may feel rejected. Today you may feel a failure. Today you may feel imperfect. Today you may feel that you were a mistake. At least that's what you've been told you are. But you know what? What the world throws away. God says, I've got a use for it. Come on, God says, I've got a use for you. God says, no matter what the world may view as trash, God says, I can take a nothing and I can make it a something. I can take something that's broken and I can build it up and I can raise it up to be something great. Come on, I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding this morning. Come on, this is God's word for you today. What the world throws away. God says, I've got a special place. Come on, God doesn't just say, I want to use you. God says, I've got a special place for you. Come on, you need to hear me today. God's got a special place for you. God's got a special place for you. He's God and he can have a special place for whoever he wants. In our thinking, we think, well, if we're going to have a special place, we can maybe have two or three special places. And outside of that, there's no other room. God says, I've got all the special places I could ever desire. God's got a special place for you, a place of prominence. Why? Because God does not just desire. I've realized this. God does not just desire to use me. God desires to make something great of my life. 
God doesn't want to just use you. God wants to make something great of your life. God wants to build you into something incredible. What, me? Yes, you. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to me today. God wants to use me. God says, I have a place of purpose for your life. Now, the question I want to ask you today is, does that sound much like the rejection? Does that sound like the voice of negativity that screams in your head? Doesn't sound much like it, does it? That's not the language of rejection, but that's the language of God. What the builders have rejected, God says, is going to be the chief cornerstone. And you know what he says? This is the Lord's doing. It's only God. It's only through God. And it's only by God. And you know what? It's marvelous. It's marvelous. It's going to be marvelous to see as God changes your life and does it. And what are you going to say? Only God. Only God. It wasn't me. It's God's doing in my life. God's the one who's given us the victory. You see, God doesn't see like man sees. You see, man sees appearance. Come on, pick up a magazine today. And ladies, what do you see? You see someone who is shaped as how they want them to be shaped today. You see faces that are airbrushed, so all the imperfections are gone. That ladies look and they say, I can never mount up or I can never be like that. Man builds on appearance. Where everything has to be right. Everything has to be in its place. It's all about image. I was watching Oprah a while back. And, and I, know, I don't even know why I was watching Oprah, for goodness sake. God forgive me. This was a while back. And I was watching Oprah. Or I just turned on to Oprah. And there was a 28-year-old boy on there. 28 years old and had 26 plastic surgeries already. And we're still talking about the imperfections that were still... On his person. Things that he wanted to change. You see, if you build on man's appearance, there's always going to be changes. There's always going to be something new. There's always going to be something better. Those things you may say, well, if I can just get this. If I could just, oh, if I could just have that. And then we get that. But if I could just have that, then I'd be happy. And we get that. But if I could just have, come on. If we're looking for those things. We'll never be contented. Because you see, man looks at appearance. Where God says, no, I build on the heart. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. Man builds on charisma. I like the word charisma in the dictionary. Listen to what charisma says. It says, a mysterious power to fascinate and attract. Great personal magnetism or glamour or sex appeal. Man builds on charisma. Oh, they've got charisma. I can make something out of them. Where God says, forget charisma, I build on character. God looks on character. Really what you are, when no one else is looking, what you are in the dark, that's what God sees. That's amazing to me how many people are riddled with insecurities and rejections and fear and you get them along, they're the most happiest person you could ever be around. They've got incredible sense of humor. They're so talented, they're so blessed, but yet they base it all on charisma. But yet fail to see that the character, what they are, God can use. Man builds with past performance, where God builds on future potential. I like that. Thank God that God doesn't judge us for the past. 
Thank God that God looks at us and says it's this day forward that all that counts. Come on. God says it's this day forward because if you've asked me forgiveness, if it's under the blood, there is no past. It's only this day forward. Paul says these words, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I haven't got it all together. I haven't caught it. I haven't met the standards. I haven't made it to the end. Aren't you glad if Paul can say that? There's still hope for every one of us. He says, I haven't made it to the end. I haven't grasped everything. But he says, you know what? The most important thing, this one thing I do. Paul says, I sit down in my rejection. He says, I sit down in my failure and dream of what I could have been. Is that what Paul says? Come on, help me out today. Paul doesn't say this one thing I do is that I dwell on what man says and what man's ideals are and my past mistakes. Paul said this one thing I do, forgetting. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say forgetting. Forgetting. Come on, that means letting go. Letting go. Letting go. Letting go. Not allowing the past things to control my future dreams. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things. Thank God for those things. Those things He has laid up for us. There's blessings, there's provision, there's anointing, there's great joy and happiness. But how many of us never get to those things? Because the those things that we're holding on to are the things behind where God says, No, not those things, those things. Those things which are ahead. Those things ahead. I love what Christine Kane said in that first story I read. She said, in the midst of the battle, in the middle of the battle and the struggle, I was reminded of what God called me and God said to me and what God's promise was for me. You know what God's calling and promise is for you? Turn to Psalms 139. We're going to read it today. We're going to read God's promise for your life. We're going to read God's calling for your life. An incredible passage of Scripture. Listen to what it says in verse 14. It says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Doesn't sound much like someone who's a mistake. Do I hear an amen? And come on, this is about you. This is not about your neighbor. Oh, it's about them too, but this is about you. Come on, this is God's word right to you. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. That means when I was fashioned in my womb or my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my substance, yet while I was still unborn or unformed. And in your book, they were all written, the days fashioned and prepared for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. And how great is the sum of them all. God thinks great things about you. God thinks you're wonderful, that you're skillfully made, that you're beautiful, that you're incredible. Come on, that's not what rejection says. But today we have a choice. What are we going to do? Build on man's way or God's? Man builds on intellect. God builds on wisdom. Wisdom is spiritual understanding. And if you don't have it, and even if you need more of it, God says, that's okay, James 1 verse 5, if you lack wisdom... I'll give it to you. And God says, I've got every part that you would need. God says, I've got an endless supply and God won't even hold your past efforts against you. 
He says, I'll give it to you without reproach. It means no matter your past and what you've done in the past, God doesn't judge you. God just says, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. Come on, this doesn't sound like someone who's rejected and worthless and has no value in life. If God says, whatever you ask, I can give it to you. What man has rejected, God freely accepts. And I'm glad about that for my sake. I said, I'm glad about it for my sake. I'm going to say amen just for me. I don't know if it's for you today, but this is just for me. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. I could take you into Piccadilly on Essen Lane. Stand in front of the mirror washing my hands one day. I saw Satan himself looking at me through the mirror. And he said to me, how can God ever use you? You're just a kid. You're a failure. You will never make anything of your life. How can God use you? As clear as I can see each one of you today, Satan was jeering at me in the face. Come on, give me a break. I was on my lunch break. He could at least left me alone. <laughs> looking at me straight in the face. That day I had a decision. Was I going to believe those words or was I going to believe God's word? Come on, there's been other days that he's come back, sometimes three and four times a day. Sometimes he doesn't leave me alone, but you know what? I've got to choose to believe what God says about me. I may not be the smartest. I may not have it all together. I may not be the greatest pastor. That's okay. I know I'm called of God. And God says, it's not your ability I want, it's your availability. And I know as I yield my life and I make my life available to him, he's going to give me what I need to make it through. In the same way, God's going to give you what you need. You may not have it all together. God says, great. Because I can work a whole lot better with someone who wants to be dependent upon me. We must realize that the only way to overcome rejection is by realizing our value and worth in God. Come on, cornerstone. Great chief cornerstone. Not rejected. You see, if we try to beat rejection in the flesh, here's what will happen. The first thing that we'll discover is this rejection always gathers friends. And not the good type. In other words, rejection never comes to the party alone. Let me give you an example and try to make you see this today. Let's just say a room of your heart, a part of your life you're rejected in. You're facing rejection in just a room of your heart. Hasn't totally consumed you, but there's just an area, a room that you're feeling rejected in. There's a knock at the door of that room in your heart. The door swings open and in walks inferiority. That's the friend of rejection. He can also be called insecurity to his friends. Inferiority comes in just to that one room and he begins to speak and he begins to remind you over and over again of why you were rejected. He begins to remind you over and over again that you're not good enough and that you'll never be good enough. Anyone ever had that visitor come knock on your heart? Inferiority. He sows those seeds, so therefore he leaves you in a state of mind where you're now really insecure. You're now a little bit paranoid and you're pretty defensive. But if that's not enough... The door knocks again of just that one room. You've had one visitor. Now a second comes and that's anger. Anger shows up and makes you start getting angry. It makes you get to that place where you start blaming everyone else for what's going on in your life. 
It starts to sow thoughts in your mind of revenge and how you can get back at these people. In other words, magnifies the problem, never brings a solution. But you see, he's just setting the scene for the next guest who comes knocking. So inferiorities come, angers come, and now bitterness shows up. You begin to get bitter and you begin to become consumed by those things. Are you getting the picture today? You see the results of rejection. It doesn't just have a stopping point. It's just the starting point. It's just the entrance level because there's so many other things that come and are attached to it. You'll get angry. You'll get bitter. You'll be insecure. You'll be defensive. You'll be paranoid. Not good stuff. But here, to sum it all up, is really what's taken place. Your heart now is filling up fast with the wrong stuff. And as it begins to fill one room, it goes into another room, into another room. And then it consumes the whole house. And it affects your whole person. Thus your whole life will stand affected. And that will become the story of your life. We can no longer afford to mask this problem called rejection. A band-aid's not going to work. The core issue must be rooted out and it must be destroyed. Dusting the cobwebs is no substitute for killing the spider. Ephesians 4 verse 27 tells us these words, Nor give place to the devil. That word place means don't give him opportunity or even better said, don't give him room or occupancy. Like we talked about that he'll come, but he doesn't just come along. Friends and friends and friends and friends will come till you are completely consumed. No vacancies, no room for God, no room for God. Oh, you can justify, but again, as we've talked about, you'll still be sick. But you must come to your healer. The one who was rejected for you. I wish I had time today, but you need to read this for yourself when you get home. Read Isaiah 55. Verse 3 says he was despised and rejected by men. Verse 4 from the New Living Translation and 5 says yes. Yes, it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And he thought his troubles and, and we thought his troubles were a punishment for God for his own sin. But he was wounded and crushed for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace. He was whipped that you and I could be healed. Jesus became your rejection that you can be accepted in Christ. He was took the sin. He took all those things that come. He became every one of them. I haven't got time, but as I said, you need to read it yourself. No one knows rejection like Jesus. No one has ever been rejected like him, that even God himself turned his face away from his son. It wasn't just in his last moments of living on this earth. He went home one day and the people of his hometown rejected him. Disciples left him and rejected him, ran and fled him. Throughout his whole life, he faced rejection. But he did it all. He faced the rejection to pay the price once and for all for the rejection that you and I carry. Come on, he became our sin. Doesn't mean he was a sinner. Don't 
misunderstand that. It means He took the place. He paid the price for our sin, our rejection, our insecurities and all these things that He hung and died upon the cross and He screamed out, it is finished. What does that mean? You don't have to live in rejection anymore. Listen to me. He was betrayed so you can belong. He was forsaken so you can be forgiven. His heart was broken so that your heart can be made whole. Ephesians 1 verse 6 in the last part of that verse says, He made us accepted in the beloved. You and I are accepted not in our own strength and in our own ability, but you and I are accepted today in His blood. Today we face a decision. Do we live our lives in the rejection of men? Or do we live our lives in the acceptance of God? Rejection doesn't have to control. It doesn't have to be a hold upon your life. Because you are accepted in the beloved. By His blood, you are forgiven. I've realized this oftentimes. Those that face the greatest struggles of rejection insecurity and attacks are often perhaps the greatest tools that God desires to use I said to someone the other day that Nancy and I met in the office these ladies said these words I just can't take no more and I said let me tell you something Satan doesn't attack something that's trash Satan doesn't come after something that has no value If you're facing these struggles and you're facing these attacks, that's like we talked about last week. That's the scarecrow. That's what Satan's put there. But we need to begin to realize that's the place of the best corn. Come on. That's the place of the greatest harvest. And that's why Satan wants to keep us from that. Come on, these rejections and these things. Satan's not coming against someone that doesn't have anything. Because if you didn't have anything, he'd leave you alone and go to someone else. He's using these things because God says chief cornerstone. God says purpose and blessing for your life. Would you stand with me today? Precious Jesus, precious Jesus. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard. But we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless. Master.